Welcome to Cabin Minute Cast. The scenario has been chosen. The ritual has begun. We are ready to appease the old gods one minute at a time. I'm Heidi Bennett of HeidiBennett.com. Hey, and I'm Molly Balin of LittleRedMark.com. And in today's fine episode, we're covering minute 22 of the movie The Cabin in the Woods. And in this minute, this is a continuation of The Harbinger. So this is the last, last hurrah of Harbinger jokes. And we also have a brief jubilant scene at the lake. Yeah, so we start here with a nice little giggle fit between the gang <laughs> and um, the... Uh, Lynn, Hadley, and Sitterson are all having a, a nice laugh at the Harbinger's expense. You know, he's still going on, on his spiel, and he mentions that the, the fool nearly derailed me with his insolence, and, you know, so he's using words like insolence <laughs> to be very <laughs> serious. And, uh, you know, then he, they, you know, he realizes, hey, you guys still have me on speakerphone, and everybody, you know, just breaks out in a in a giggle but um and Sitterson has that thing where he kind of like holds you know holds his hand over his mouth and and it reminded me of giggle fits I've had in the past and how joyous and what a release they are you know hopefully not at at somebody else's <laughs> expense but <laughs> but how wonderful it is to just be able to really let out a good laugh and I just wanted to um let people know if they want to hear some ridiculous giggle fits, they can um, listen to a very specific episode of Spinal Tap Minute. So we had this episode where Brett Stillo, who's another Movies by Minutes guy, he did uh, Five Minutes of Trouble for Big Trouble in Little China. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And uh, Brett lives over in San Francisco. We have some mutual friends. We haven't met up here in the Bay Area in person yet, but um, he's part of our Movies by Minutes family. So he was our guest on, let's see, on episode 73, about minute 73 of Spinal Tap, or this is Spinal Tap. And we had such a calamity. Not only did his doorbell ring several times, <laughs> but then somebody had a phone ring and it, I mean, stuff that never happened before. We just, we'd get, you know, all set up to record and then, bzzz, or, you know, ring or whatever. And it would just set us all off. And it was really super fun. Like the episode just turned into basically a, you know, a blooper reel. So... <laughs> Uh, and then I've done that in, in uh, recording sessions, too, you know, in recording sessions where everybody's kind of getting ready and, you know, you're all kind of quiet and you're ready to to be you're in the recording booth getting ready to sing along and time is money or as they'd say in Spinal Tap, mime is money and <laughs> you're really trying to concentrate. And sometimes that's where the biggest giggle fits happen where you just literally can just not maintain your shits. <laughs> so this this little moment here at the beginning of the minute reminded me of that. Do you have any memories or thoughts on just having hysterical giggle fits? Oh yeah, I mean most of mine have been fully inappropriate. I just think back to like health class in junior high and like high school and just telling a bunch of 
kids who are like 12 years old, like, you're now going to watch a video and it's going to be an animation of a penis getting erect. And I don't want you to laugh at this. It's just uh. a <laughs> really poor expectation. <laughs> and I just remember being just like the worst kid because like I, I really have, my humor has been frozen in time from like, 12 years old and and I just as an adult like if you put a bunch of adults in the room and we're like don't do that they're totally gonna lose their shit and we did and I just remember so many times of just being terrible that <laughs> we're going through you know being made to talk about STDs in a in a public forum where sex is so taboo when you're a kid you don't want to talk about it with your parents and you know, you don't want to talk about it with old people and here it is in school and you're having to haul it out and discuss it and just having yeah, amazing, totally. you know, inappropriate giggle fits about it. <laughs> the thing I remember learning was um, this this line. It's like still stuck in my brain, which is um, talking about the penis. They would say, it's not a bone. It will not break. <laughs> <laughs> it's not a bone it will not break which wow <laughs> so that's giving me the impetus to do an early recommendation of something so really the... how did you oh, say yeah. that <laughs> oh my god so easily so by the time this comes out you know this may be old news for everybody but it's recently released on Netflix is the show Big Mouth. Have you heard of this yet? No. Oh my God. So, okay. Some of my favorite comedians and podcasters are on this and several of them also uh, made it, but it's, it's about puberty and it's animated <laughs> and they pull no punches. So there is, there are swear words aplenty. There is just coarse humor <laughs> it's 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 animated but it's totally for adults which we're all kind of used to these days but still sometimes that kind of catches you su by surprise because the characters are mostly kids from like 11 to 13 and then a few teenage you know older teenagers and then all their parents and so here's a partial list of the cast nick kroll who also is one of the creators john mulaney Jordan Peele, Jenny Slate, Maya Rudolph, Fred Armisen. It is jam-packed with hilarious people. Jason Manzukas, um, just so many funny people. And and the conceit is just simply we're following these kids around in life as they're going through puberty. And so there's these two like puberty monsters that that, <laughs> that, that uh, come and hang out with the girls and the boys equally when they're having their, you know, first hormonal twitches and twinges. And yeah, let's see. Jesse Klein has a major part in it. So it's it's super funny. It's super edgy. And it's absolutely hilarious. And oh my God, if only we'd had this when we were young, you know, something that helps explain the just the uncomfortableness oh. <laughs> and with a sense of humor there is just this is a not really a spoiler but there's actually i think in episode two or three or something a song sung by michael stipe but he is a cartoon version that's a tampon <laughs> you are kidding me 
Oh, so my I don't know if it's God. like everybody bleeds instead of everybody <gasps> hurts or something oh. like that. But it's it's I could be paraphrasing incorrectly, but it's some sort of, you know, take on one of their songs. But yeah, I mean, it tackles everything of, you know, of the hormonal variety. In fact, I never remember it's called Big Mouth. I always just call it the the puberty show. <laughs> Maybe they should rename it to that. <laughs> yeah. So so anyways, that's that's an early recommendation. If for some reason you haven't checked this out yet, it's on Netflix and you know, you have to be comfortable with naughty naughty language and really <laughs> tasteless humor, but it's also very sweet and does you know, very deftly help you, you know, remind you of the horrors of, of that time in your life. So yeah, that's a great recommendation, <laughs> and I'm a big REM fan, so I definitely have to go check that out. So that's delightful. <laughs> it's really fun. So, yeah. So, anyways, after our little giggle fits, I think you were talking about you know before we got recording about the transition here from everybody laughing in um, in the compound to our scene of the teens. Do you want to talk about that a little bit? Yeah, I thought this was a, an interesting minute in that it's tonally identical when it shifts. So you have this cut scene of these guys really like cutting it up and just like completely losing their shit and laughing. And there's a tonality match that goes from them completely losing their minds to being at the lake. And so you have, again, almost like that OK Go style music where it's like, yay! And you've got... Uh, Dana and Holden that are running through, uh, running to the dock and jumping off the dock and being like, yay, we're in the lake. So there's this real, it's jubilant to jubilant. Um, there isn't, and what I thought to be kind of interesting tonally, because sometimes between scene changes, there's more of a, okay, we've taken them down. Now let's bring them back up again. Right. Or here's a surprise in terms of shifting. And I thought it was interesting that they're, they have a, a same tone to tone match here that they're mirroring locations in terms of um, sensation and feeling. And then the other thing I found to be interesting, slightly off topic, but related, but before we shift to the lake is that we start this minute out where, you know, Mordecai's like, don't take this lightly boy. It wasn't all by your numbers because Hadley makes this comment of like, up, oh, you know, you, you're doing right by us, you know, by the numbers, you know, doing a good job. Right. And he's like this, almost got derailed and so this is a reverse harbinger so the harbinger is actually a harbinger of doom not just mm. for the kids but now also for the people who are at the compound as well and on top of that this is the first time that they mention any type of archetype as martin right. says he says the fool mm -hmm. right the yeah. fool nearly derailed me with his insolence mm -hmm. yeah and i never noticed that before until watching this just one minute over and over again then it really stuck out like a sore th thumb yeah that's interesting so he's now the harbinger for them but they're paying it no they're just laughing mm -hmm. yeah yeah they don't pay it any mind which factors into the next i think it's 24 we end up kind of talking about that a little bit. So there's a, a brief discussion about that free will is involved, that people have to ignore the harbinger. 
you know, right. willfully. And they're willfully ignoring the harbinger. The harbinger was like, look, this, this almost didn't go down right. It wasn't, it, it didn't go down as you would think it would go down. That might be a problem. So this is, again, another one of those, you're being overconfident, right? Right. Yeah. Good call there, Molly. I didn't really notice that before. That's, that's an astute observation. Why, thank you. <laughs> dang nabbit nobody will listen to the harbinger he gets no respect you know he's the rodney dangerfield of this movie. <laughs> that's totally ruined me for the harbinger now i'm only gonna see rodney dangerfield from here on out and that's gonna be really awkward i feel like there should be some sort of skit replacement for that <sighs> So, yeah, yeah, and I, what you said about the tone, I, I have really been paying attention to the transitions from it. I think they transitioned into the gang at the compound, like by pulling pulling the camera back, and then you see that they're viewing everybody on the different screens, and it's almost like a silent pullback. So it, there's similar like you said, similar tone there. And then this one is similar tone, but like you said, it's a jubilant to jubilant tone. So everybody is kind of carefree and um, we're setting up all sorts of stuff here. And what I noticed, and this is a little different than, than we were talking about the tone, but was more about this, the trope or the the iconic view of what these where these kids are. So... Mm. Every time we get to this scene where we see them out at this lake and there's this dock reaching out to the lake, there's dappled water, there's just sort of sunshine, even though the trees are very thick and there's dark trees all around the background, there's kind of lighter trees close by and so they're kind of in this like sunny spot in and it's this very optimistic beautiful area but it also just made me think like okay now this is one of those scary movie tropes right like we've seen this before and I kind of like had a bit of a brain fog about it like besides Friday the 13th I couldn't really think about like iconic scary this very specific visceral thing of like being on this dock being in the water and something might be under the water one thing that I did remember is that there's one of my favorite X-Files episodes by one of my favorite X-Files writers and that is Quagmire and in Quagmire they are going out it's one of their you know monster of the week stories <laughs> so they're going out to investigate what might be some sort of you know kind of a Loch Ness monster which is called Big Blue out at this lake and it's in an area that's that's you know there's scientists there but then there's also people you know coming out to you know to just enjoy the lake and vacation or maybe catch a glimpse of of big blue so there's a little bit of a of jaw you know a little bit of jaws there too but it's one of the the funnier episodes also at the very end of it they end up out 
um, Mulder and Scully end up out stranded on this rock. And so it's got scariness to it, but it's also a lot of humor. Like I remember at a certain point, you know, something's kind of Jaws like, you know, in that dun dun you know, and they're like something's happening and that ends up being, you know, a duck is is like just <laughs> swimming their way. And and then I think the next morning after they spend the whole night out there on the on this rock, it ends up that they're like walking distance to the, you know, to the shore or something. <laughs> But yeah, it's really funny. It's one of one of the the few Darren Morgan written episodes and he I think you know is kind of well known for doing some of the greatest most hilarious episodes, but it it has that feel that out on a lake surrounded by trees there's something beautiful yet something ominous. Again, we can kind of almost I you know, I don't think of like I think of um, you know, this location as we're in you know, a similar shooting location as the X-Files because they also, you know, shot things in in Canada as well. Or, you know, same with Twin Peaks. You know, we get this like everything's beautiful and light up above, but what's what's lurking down below? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Right. Kurt's being playful and saying, like pointing out, like, what is that? (laughs) You know, is there something in the water and kind of scaring them? And then, you know, right at the very minute, he tosses jewels in and it's all all fun and games and we've got marty back there and as we mentioned before fran Krantz was so so buff that they they uh made him cover himself up with layers so that he wasn't showing his studly bod (laughs) cover yourself man you're too hot for the role (laughs) <laughs> I love it how he has the the hippie necklace on. He's just kind of he's just smoking a J. He's just hanging back. And I think this is a really good setup. And again, you know, we were talking about things that you know you notice more deeply when you have to watch an individual minute a few times and and get the vibe. But I never really caught uh, Jules really backpedaling and getting in the water. And, and Dana and Holden are the really the bold guys who are like, fuck it. And they just like run and go for it. And there's this really great couple of lines. And Jules is like, well, you know, is it worth it when they're in the water? And Dana's like, you know, come on, Jules, life is risk. And that to me was really poignant because here we have a few minutes down the road. Jules is going to get hella unhinged and weirdly sexual inside the cabin. And we're really setting up here. She's almost a risk adverse, you know, is mm-hmm, it okay to mm-hmm. jump in? I don't know about this. I don't want to be uncomfortable. I think I might be better just chilling in the sun, you know, away from this. You know, I, I don't know that I want to take the risk. Yeah, totally. So, you know, where we're at at this tail end of this minute where we've got Kurt, as you were saying, you know, pointing out to Holden Dana, like, what, what is that? What, you know, and he's kind of pointing off in the distance and they're like, yeah, 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 that's, you know, that's bullshit. And he's like, no, wait, it's, it's there. It's there. And they're like, kind of starting to look a little concerned. Like Holden's got concern faced. Dana's like, oh, come on. They're turning around. And this is a fake out. 
So there's a moment, I think, as an audience member where you're like, oh, is this the moment that shit really goes down? Is there going to be like the monster in the lake? Is this where like, is this where we're going to start getting people start getting picked off? Are we here yet? You right, know, because that's right. That's part of, you know, the cultural expectation, this type of story. But it's not. It's a fake out. You know, so it's like, oh, it's just my girlfriend. Kurt pushes Jules in and everybody laughs and Jules screams and it's a thing. And from a, a screenplay structure, we're in minute 22. So in classic screenplay structure, you have the first 30 minutes are considered act one. So you can feel this in the story. We're nearing the end of act one. And act one is typically a setup time. This is the time where you're setting up the scenario, you're meeting your characters, and you're approaching a, a peak shift. So this is like act one is like we're setting up ordinary reality. And we're nearing the tail end of that. We're kind of getting that because we've had a, a series of fake outs so far. So if you think back to the previous minutes where uh, they were just at the cabin and you're like, oh, look, it's a painting. The painting's dodgy. You've got the really dodgy music, but nothing actually happens. They're not in imminent danger. Right. So they're not in the type of imminent danger of somebody's, you know, wielding an axe and running after me and, and I'm, I'm fighting for my life. It's just, it's a sketchy painting. And they take that off and then there's ominous music and, and it's a two-way mirror. The two-way mirror is kind of fucked up and it's kind of scary. And it's kind of like, oh, what's going to go on here? This seems really weird. We shouldn't have a two-way mirror here. The music's saying something bad is going to happen, but nothing bad happens. It's just, my, this is weird. And we're setting up. So we have a series of fake outs that are occurring. Harbinger, here's another fake out. We're going to the gas station. He's going to be kind of weird. You know, everything looks really weird here. feels really awkward, but we're choosing to go on. So we have a series of these kind of harbinger effects that are now going to reach their peak in the next few minutes. So you can kind of feel this like successive ramp up story wise. And all of this is really just because these guys are masterful at, at writing too. These guys are, I would dare say, and someone can argue this out with me. I would dare say these guys are writers first. They're not visual effects people necessarily, although they have a deep appreciation for what they want to see. But they're writers first, and these guys know writing structure. This is almost the the classic screenwriting structure, and and you can feel we're at the tail end of Act One here. So we've got one more like you know bump to go in terms of setup, and then it's go time. And you will also notice when we get to that minute, they will actually announce Act Two, and we'll hit that in a future minute. But they literally, from a structural perspective literally will announce to you we are now in act two this is it we're here we've arrived it's go time i love that you're mentioning that because i do definitely kind of get lost in the story i think over time listening to different podcasts and listening to a lot of showrunners and listening to writers and and um different you know film people is that now you know without studying this myself but just being a, a fan I've just sort of absorbed some of this information so now when I, I feel like I have a, a richer film experience watching movies and then sort of going okay it's third act time or okay this is the thing we're setting up here that's going to pay off there and and so I feel like I I part of me kind of sees sees that structure much more easily but when I get wrapped up in a movie like this I'm not really paying attention to that stuff. So I'm glad you're kind of 
calling that out here. And what when you're saying this now, it's making me think of, you know, the minutes that have happened so far. And like you said, these guys are getting some jump scares, but they're not turning into anything yet. And so there's some tension sort of building. But then the same thing is happening with Hadley and Sitterson and that side, they're getting some little teases, right? Because Lynn comes up and, you know, she says that uh, Stockholm's gone south, but they kind of say, you know, don't pay it any mind. And then then uh, the harbinger, like you just, you know, just said in this whole this minute earlier <laughs> in this episode, that he's giving them a little something to chew on, that something's not quite as smooth as it's supposed to be, but they just sort of sail on and don't give it much mind. And you're getting to know all of our characters a little bit. You know, we're setting up who 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 it is that's at play in this in this movie, but then also they're saying we're setting up the scenario. So like you're saying at minute 30, we're going to get this very direct reference to now we're into act Mm -hmm. two. But also these guys are using language that's saying we're setting up a scenario here. Here are players, you know, Um, we don't know them all by name, except for we just got this little hint of the fool. But, you know, we don't know all the players, you know, the pawns, but uh, by the name that they're going to start calling them or um, thinking of them as, you know, the athlete and the, the fool and the this and that and the other. But but we're getting this structure. This is a meta mm-hmm. situation, which we know. Yeah. Right. But I don't know if we this is like meta, meta, meta. Right. Because you're telling me this is a typical structure, very well written by these two great writers up to here, 20 minute 22 and then also we've got the people who are running this scenario with these teens they're also at their same spot so it's all mirroring again we've got mirroring going on throughout the whole thing it absolutely does i think that's that's very well said i think that's exactly what's happening that these guys are setting up a, a story as well and their setting up of the story in their, because I mean, it's structure is structure is structure. So they have a structural story and there is the superstructure of the story that we as an audience are experiencing and they're in the same places. Yeah. So it's just kind of cool. I don't, I don't feel like I eloquently put that out <laughs> there, but it sounds like you understand what I was trying to say. So hopefully everybody else does. No, too. I think you totally <laughs> said it fine. I totally get what you're saying. So yeah, it's this is this is good. I'm I'm glad we picked this movie. It's been really fun so far. Yeah. It's, yes. 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 <laughs> yes. 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 <laughs> so yeah, we've got a couple of more juicy minutes coming here that are still in the this first first act of the the movie. Is there anything else you want to talk about in reference to minute twenty two? Nope. I think I'm good on that. Okay, cool. Well, let's wrap up this guy. You probably all know this by now, but just in case you're new to listening to us, we are at, uh, you can find us on the web at cabinminutecast.com. You can find all of our social links there and many different ways to subscribe. So that's a place I'd like to send everybody. And if you, you know, feel so inclined to review us on iTunes or anywhere else. We appreciate it. 
So I do appreciate people giving us, you know, reviews and, and leaving positive feedback. I don't really like to encourage anything else but that <laughs> because I don't think it's useful. You know, this is the kind of thing that we do for free and for fun. So if you're thinking of writing something negative and shitty, uh, in the immortal words of Paul F. Tompkins, go fuck yourself. <laughs> well said. Uh, well said. <laughs> yeah. It's, uh, it's, it feels a little funky to put yourself out there, but believe me, it's worth it and it's a blast. But uh, yeah, keep the negativity to yourself and bring on the, the praise and friendship and, and joy and all that, all that good stuff. I.e. don't be a dick or we'll take you down Patton Oswalt style. <laughs> <laughs> I love you, Patton. <laughs> me too, me too. Oh my God. So, yeah. So anyways, we're probably not going to fish for reviews all that often. I feel like it's one of those things to just throw out there every once in a while to remind people. So why do we ask for reviews? Well, supposedly that means out there when other people are looking for podcasts, it helps them find it. You know, like there's a ranking system and we'll get higher up in the ranks. So we're hoping that people who would enjoy something like this would find it and uh, so that more people can enjoy it. So thank you all for coming back around and listening to episode 22. And we will see you back at the cabin. Uh, <laughs> that was so refreshing and unexpected (laughs) well not now that you've called it out